The following program was brought to you by Yolo Kali. Keeping it weird since 1997. Oh. Who's that? Who are you? You're not allowed to be in here. Hey, yo, somebody get their grandma. Huh? Ah! Nah, you gotta do it like this. What's Up is back with another two hours of fully youth-produced content, tapping into the matters and concerns of youth in Chicago. As well as all the crazy, wacky, tea-sipping, gossip-spilling, weird shenanigans that we, youth, get up to. Listen to your own risk, because your mind might explode. The chances are low, but never zero. So strap in, and let's get into the show! Welcome to the first live episode of What's Up, Season 21. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm joined in the studio today by... Jasmine, Ariandi, and Sam. This episode is all about media. What about media, you lovable listeners may be asking? Well, we will be talking about media and its production during lockdown, how we use media as a coping mechanism, what's in our feed, as well as the best and worst tropes that we love or hate. Later, we'll sit down with the special guest Drillionis, therapist by day and meme expert by night on the impact on, of media on our minds. All this and more on Consume, Consume Media. media. You, you are what you watch. watch. All right, Jasmine, what topic are we going to be starting with first today? All right, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about our tropes, worst and best tropes in our opinions. And just to start it off, I think I should define tropes for our listeners. So for those who don't know, a trope is by definition a significant or recurrent theme or motif, basically a recurrent arc, event, or kind of character archetype in a story. So think redemption arc would be, you know, bad character turning good and things like that. But I know we put an Instagram question up and Sam got the answer. So let's see what our listeners think our best and worst tropes are. All right, so yesterday we took to Instagram and asked our audience what they think the best and worst trope dynamics are in media. So, one of the first answers is, overdressed bisexual girlfriend and underdressed golden retriever boyfriend is a bad trope. What do you guys think about this? Hmm, I will be honest, I haven't seen that much of a trope to, uh, to actually have a fully fleshed opinion on it. What about you, Ariandi? Um, I think it's a pretty bad trope where it's like, I feel like you see it in a lot of movies where it's like the main character isn't like conventionally attractive, like movies with like Adam Sandler and like there's always like a really attractive girl. Um, yeah, so I think it's a pretty bad trope. <laughs> oh, the bum and the pretty girl. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that's that's uh, not realistic if we're being honest. <laughs> it's uh, it's I feel like it would only happen in a fictional setting or from my experience, which is not a lot. Uh, anyway, uh, what else? All right, somebody else said, the best would be dumb and dumber tall guy who is short, who is shy, short guy who has a big mouth. This kind of reminds me of like the regular show. I've never watched it, but I have seen kind of like that trope play out. We also have Beauty and the Beast. What do you guys think about that trope? Um, actually, like kind of, I feel like that's also kind of like, um, where it's like a really, I feel like it's also kind of like the Adam Sandler movies, but for an example I had, um, well, somebody also talked about um, that, like, a woman, a man keeps harassing a girl until they go out with her. I feel like it's kind of like a Beauty and the Beast type of thing. And, I, for example, I want to talk about, like, um, what's it called? That 
versus the world that one movie scott pilgrim versus the world i don't like that movie and it's just because it's like it's really just like i feel like playing to like the male fantasy i don't know i feel like that's kind of like what beauty and the beast can be like yeah and honestly i i kind of like the beauty and the beast trope but it is overplayed like it's in every single love story but, you know, I'm really kind of surprised that no one said miscommunication in there because um, miscommunication, in my opinion, it's the worst trope. And so, like, just for those who don't know, miscommunication is a trope that, like, when a conflict evolves between two characters or more characters because there's either a lack of communication or there's a misunderstanding of the facts. So the example I want to talk to you all about is Edith. It's a webtoon about a girl named Edith, and she's a writer who's kind of, like, struggling at this point in her life. She's had a lot of success when she was younger, but now she's trying to write her third novel. And at this point in her life, she meets a guy named Philip, who's like a big shot model. And they start a relationship, but it's very toxic at the beginning. But they work through it. Like season one, season two, they learn how to communicate, they get better at it. And then season three hits and it goes downhill, all because of like two phone calls. So at this point in the story, Philip is long distance with Edith. He does come back and forth, but he's in California trying to pursue an acting career. But then at a Christmas party, Edith meets this girl named Taylor. And Taylor is actually one of Philip's also very toxic ex. Like the last line Philip says to her, I think is pretty much, I never really liked you very much. And this line lives rent free in this girl's head, like to the point where she starts bawling to Edith, telling her about her relationship with Philip. And Edith's like, you know, it's like the bigger person. She comforts her and says like, I'm so sorry you have to deal with that. But she's also kind of really frustrated. She had to deal with Philip's like, you know, mess. And so that leads to a phone call later on that night between her and Philip in the stairwell. And she's just straight up asking him, kind of testing him. Be like, hey, I met this girl like in the industry. Her name's Taylor. Do you know her? And at that moment, we get his perspective. And he's like, you know, this was in the past. Like, I wasn't with her when I was with Edith. I didn't cheat on her. And so in his mind, he doesn't want to say anything because they have a locker relationship to this point. And so it doesn't make sense to bring it up. And so he lies. And so that's like the first instant of very poor communication between this couple. And that's the wrong move. Although right after that phone call, Philip does decide like, no, he wants to be the bigger person. He wants to own up to his past. And he's going to tell Edith, but he doesn't want to do it over the phone. But it's too late because the very next morning when they're on the phone, Edith just gets straight to the point and breaks up with him. And he immediately starts pleading with her like, no, I was going to tell you, I was going to tell you. And she does believe him. But at that point, it just calls like too much mistrust in a relationship, especially at this point being long distance. And so they break up. And I'm not joking when I say from this point on all the way to literally the title, like the episode titled series finale, they don't talk. They do not have one physical piece of dialogue passed between these two characters. And this lack of communication drives me crazy in this comic. It doesn't make sense. I feel like it could have worked if we didn't have two seasons of these characters coming together, building their relationship and learning how to communicate their feelings with one another. Instead, we just get 25 episodes of absolutely no context. I mean, like Edith does text Philip at one point when he like faints at one point in the story, but he never responds. And it makes absolutely no sense to me. I feel like if miscommunication works, if it's because of the character's faults, like if your character's really shy or there's like a physical barrier stopping them from communicating, but in this case, it makes no sense. Like we had this relationship and we learned how to love these characters. And yes, like the title of the comic is Edith. And like, it's so obviously, obviously gonna focus on her. But I think if the author wanted to, that ending of her getting with another guy who came out of nowhere in season three, 
I feel like there was a better way to go on it because like the the two phone calls and the lack of communication and then like no communication for all of season three was just, in my opinion, a very poor choice. But I want to know, like, what do you guys think about that? So that sounds like two seasons down the drain. It, literally, mm-hmm. if you go into the comments of this webtoon for the last episode, everyone's saying like, what was the point of season one and two? Especially because in the synopsis, it brings up two love interests, one of them being Philip, one of being a character Jack. Jack dips to a California school and never returns into the epilogue. Yeah. <laughs> Makes no sense to me, but I mean, so that was my um, thing for miscommunication. But I know, I think Jared, I'm mean, not Jared, sorry, Jeremiah, I think you also had an example for miscommunication, right? Uh, yes, uh, two. Uh, I'll just touch both of them uh, very quickly. Um, the first one is the uh, more traditional mis- miscommunication where. Uh, it, it's from this uh, movie called In- Enter Galactic. It's by Kid Cudi. It's basically showcasing his album, but this, there's a uh, underlying romance story here. And basically, the main character, voiced by Kid Cudi, is uh, a comic book artist who graffitis all over the place. Um, this character called Mr. Rager, right? He's got these friends, but he's uh, dealt with some exes, and right now he's pretty fragile and um, like lonely in his life, and he's not looking for a relationship. So, like, he's going about his day, uh, again, like, messing around with his friends, having fun. But then, uh, like, he meets this girl who's his neighbor. They have a party. He's about to complain. But then she, he sees this girl. He's like, oh, uh, never mind. They, they, they are interested in one another, right? So then they start dating. Uh, they go on these dates. She takes him to this cool vegan place. Anyway, it moves forward, right? They end up getting together. His ex calls him back. It's the most hilarious reason why the ex calls him back. Because he's like, bro, why'd you call me? There's a rat in my apartment. There's no rat in your apartment. We're in New York. Oh my God, there's a rat. Why is there a rat? He says, I don't know. Like, why you call me? Call the exterminator. This, this. And then he leaves his jacket there. And so his ex ends up calling him back with a very suggestive pose of wearing the jacket and saying, you forgot this here. His current girlfriend finds this and ends up making this entire miscommunication serial that's actually played off very well and handled very maturely. But there's a section where it's like, hey guys, um, I think I've, I think I messed up. He says, what do you mean? Uh, my girl, she, uh, she made her size a bed. Oh, oh no. He's like, you know how hard it is to make your size a bed when there's a person sleeping on it? And she left my phone on the bed. Why did she touch my phone? It's like it's like this whole thing where she's like, oh, she knows, she knows the text and everything. So she's hurt by this because she believes that trust was broken and it's valid, but nothing happened between them. So it gets resolved maturely, but I just found that entire miscommunication plot very healthily like handled. And it was just, it was just a lovely like scene because they ended up resolving and getting back together. So it's amazing. The second one is less about miscommunication, more about hiding uh, hiding information because there's this character, he's this big buff Yakuza fighting pit boss, right? Like no nonsense, you say something to him, he punches your teeth in and caves your skull in, right? And he's, he's this big dude, right? He's a mama's boy. He's a mama's boy who loves and adores his mom because his, his, his dad left him at a young age and he's never forgiven his dad, so he's daddy issues. <laughs> But he also has an extreme love for his mom. Anyway, 
he his mom didn't want him doing an illegal fighting business or fighting like his dad did because his dad was an illegal pit fighter. And it brought him money, but then he left to probably go fight and make more money. And he probably died, but Set doesn't know that. His name is Set, by the way. But anyway, he does this and he brings in a lot of money, right? And his mom wonders like, hey, hey, Set, where do you where do you get this money? Where do you go every day? And he's like, ah, uh, <clears throat> listen, listen, ma. Look, see, see, these, see these bruises on my hands? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a construction worker. You're a construction worker? Yeah, I made, a, I made an orphanage for orphans. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, oh, that's really good, Seth. I, no wonder you became big so strong. And he's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And he says, oh, thank you, Seth. I, I love you. Thank you for bringing in this money to help support us. And he's like, yeah, for sure, mom, for sure. Leaves at night. He says, all right, who touched the till? And yeah, that's uh, another trope I love. He's he's this big, like burly dude, and it's basically like hard exterior, heart of gold. It's like I love that trope as well. Uh, as well. Um, well, yeah, those are my two. Uh, Sam, you got a you got another one? Yeah, I think one that I saw like from like Instagram. What somebody said was like continually harassing a woman until like, they go out with you. Oh, yeah, I. I saw this movie, I rewatched this movie called Seventeen again, and it's like the, the the friend of the main character, like he really wants to get with like the principal, and like he just keeps going all out for her, like like just like bringing in a, lim- a limo and then taking her to like fancy restaurants and just like really just being very like materialistic and stuff, and like he would just not stop like kind of like harassing her basically in a way, and it's just like, I kind of find it like annoying, like okay, like dude, like get it, bro. Like he doesn't want to, she doesn't want to be with you. So I, I kind of agree with that answer that they put on Instagram. Like that, that kind, that kind of go, does get annoying for me. What do you think, Ariandi? Um, I guess to go back to what I was talking about, um, how I don't like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Like I never played the games, but um, the movie is very like, like I said, it plays very much the male fantasy where it's like. I don't know, they just want to, like, I don't know, they just see a beautiful girl and they just want to, like, get with them or, like, just any girl. And I think it's, like, um, I think, like, um, I think the story in general is just, like, what I don't agree with. Like, I think the movie was filmed very well, but, and it's, like, pretty funny, but just the idea of, like, this guy just, like, fantasizing about this girl all the time and, like, chasing after her, it's just, like, I don't know, like, just watching it, I was, like, kind of uncomfortable. Man, y'all will not like Chainsaw Man, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> so we also had some, what we think are the best tropes. Um, some examples, um, me and Sam thought that the parental substitute slash chosen family trope is very good. <laughs> yes. Um, Sam, do you want to take the lead on this one? Honestly, like I just love this trope so much, especially like, with Mob Psycho, like I love that show so much, and just just like, I guess having like that parental like substitute, or like, I guess in this case, like we have like these two characters called like Mob, and then like his, I guess you could say his like adoptive like figure kind of thing is like his name is Reagan, and he kind of just takes him in, and like they kind of do these uh, like he Reagan kind of runs like a, I guess you could say like a, he wouldn't he's not like a con artist, but like he kind of runs a basically like they eliminate spirits and stuff and it's just like they like mob is kind of just helping him in a way and he kind of like guides him with like you know just like life 
life, um, how do you say, like advices and just kind of like, he's really like a guiding figure in his life. Isn't Reagan conning mob into thinking that yeah. he can see spirits and he's like this all-powerful like like guru like psychic wizard is in like he's like in actuality he's just like playing with his wits like fast yeah. and he's like oh yeah i totally saw that like this oh yeah i i could have easily done that too but like he's this genuinely good guy trying to provide for him and mob mm-hmm. that's that's glorious that's that's wholesome as heck yeah i want to add on to that because like I think it's interesting. So, yeah, like they said, like the show is basically about this kid who's a psychic who's trying to find some like like some like very direction with his powers because he doesn't know what to do with them. Like, but I think we should also talk about like how Mob, the main character, is also just wants to like connect with his human side. He doesn't really want to like his powers aren't everything to him. You know, like you see throughout the show that he's just trying to like, you know, like um, find a girlfriend or like just talk to people because he thinks he's very like a loner, you know. And um, I think it's interesting that Reagan isn't a psychic, but is giving him all this advice. And I feel like it's cool because just because he's not a psychic doesn't mean he can't help him be human, you know, and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, it's like a really cool dynamic. And um, another um, before I stop talking about Mob Psycho, does anybody want to talk about Mob Psycho? (laughs) I just wanted to add on like Mob doesn't want to constantly hide his emotions Mm -hmm. since his powers are literally tied to that. And he just loses control sometimes mm-hmm. it, as seen in the show but I think it's that's a very reasonable want to like just hey I want to be able to communicate sadness or happiness or anger without having to level a two story building mm-hmm. like that's a reasonable desire that any human should have mm-hmm. definitely that's why I love Chainsaw Man um, another example I had um, was um, Yakuza um, Yakuza is like a video game series um, for primarily PlayStation, and it's about um, the main story consists of this character called Kiryu, who um, he's, he's like a Japanese gangster, like a mafia. And he, in the first game, he gets like um, dismissed from his family because of something that went down. Um, he got released from jail because he, he took the blame for his best friend. Um, for killing somebody and he went to jail and basically they they banished him from the family for that and on his like um journey like he um comes into contact with this girl and i feel like um he well he obviously does um adopt her um and i think it's such like such a good trope like i don't know you just seeing like a tough guy like that like who just like you just see him like the entire game like beat people up and like just like destroy things and like be very emotional and like um it's just um but he's actually like a really like sweetheart like in the middle like like deep down because like he he sees this girl oh the girl actually ends up being um this lady that he had a crush on was that's her daughter and like the lady, spoiler alert, dies, and so he just like takes care of her. Um, it's like a trope that's like I feel like in a lot of media, like, um, and it's honestly something that I like. I don't know, it's just like it's just interesting to watch. Um, yeah, and I guess to add on to the chosen family trope, which is kind of like parental substitute as well. Um, in the newest game, Yakuza Seven, um, it's like a completely new story. It's like a new like it's just starting from the beginning. Um, Kiryu's not in it, like the main character from the original series. And um, the main character is this character called Ichiban, and he also gets dismissed from his family because of something that went down, and he finds all of these people. He has to start from, like, ground zero. He's, like, homeless on the streets, and he just finds all of these people who relate to him, 
um, who are also grew up on the streets, like um, who are homeless, and they just like make this like little family and like just like try to find justice in the world, and it's like really interesting. Um, Jeremiah, you wanted to add something? Uh, yes, I would like to talk about one another another trope that I think is, if handled correctly, is something beautiful and awe-inspiring. When a calm or happy or jovial character like, oh, I'm a, I'm a good character who has a righteous heart and would never do anything wrong and basically is a good boy, is a, is a good character, little, little wholesome little dude, gets really, really, really angry and just, like, f- forgets all his morals and just guns for, like, either revenge, vengeance, or the reason why he's angry. Uh, a good example of this could be... Uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Jujutsu Kaisen, um, the movie, but uh, the main character, uh, Okotsu, uh, Yuta, his, uh, he, he's very depressed and he just wants like people to not die because of him. He wants people to live and he wants to be happy. He wants friends, stuff like that. Very calm guy, was originally suicidal in the beginning, but as he grows, he meets these friends and he's grown passionate to them and he loves them. But he's hovered by this curse who also loves him as well. And that's how he gets his powers. Anyway, the big bad comes along and almost kills all of his friends. Like they're near death. He sees this. Now, this is the same guy that was crying over the fact that he, um, he tried to kill himself and he hurt a lot of people. This dude gets so pissed, he ends up breaking his sword and just starts one he first he fights with the sword but then he starts breaking his like his sword and then like just punching the dude like mercilessly along with the spirit and it's just like this amazing fight scene where like we finally see like yuta being like really mad because he's finally found something that he cares about and it's just like like whenever i see it done well the calm or happy character or sometimes just just calm like the the calm character that you never would have expected to be angry when they become incredibly angry and just furious at something it just blows it out of proportion and you're like oh god this is something very wrong because this character is never angry at anything but now this oh this is a serious situation like i think that's an amazing trope especially if it's handled well yeah like to add on to that like i like you like his character is really cool and like I feel like he can really connect to like Mob as well. Like they're both characters that are just like fairly calm and just yes. like they they don't usually like act out on their emotions. But like I really like like just characters that are calm and then they're like they're tired of like all like the crap you can say and it's just like you know what like I want to I'm gonna stand up for like what I believe in and just like defend the people that I love and just like you know they're tired of it like they just like go all out and like they get their revenge and I just like I I always root for them I'm like yep yeah, you do it you do it. You know what? I've had enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Alrighty. Let's move on to worst tropes, shall we? (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, Ariandi. Um, I guess a pretty bad trope, I guess to go talk about miscommunication again, um, I think it's a pretty bad trope. I wanted to add on to that. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this um, drama called 2125. And um, the characters, like, basically, spoiler alert um, for 2125, <laughs> um, the characters in the end end up breaking up. But it's because there was so much miscommunication between them. And honestly, I feel like they just weren't compatible because one of the characters was... Um, uh, like a fencer, like one of those like for the Olympics, 
and the other character was a newscaster who like like basically like like talked about fencing in the Olympics. And I think it's interesting to tell talk about communic- miscommunication in a time where like communication wasn't as accessible, like because it takes place in the '80s, so you know, like you had to go to like pay phones and stuff like that. Um, so I think it was interesting to watch. Um, yeah, um, Twenty One Twenty Five is a K drama, and um, I just think it's interesting to watch miscommunication in a way where it's like, oh, there was miscommunication because they literally just couldn't talk to each other, <laughs> like you know. So yeah, they would be like, um, like in different parts of the world, and they'd be like, so like why were you being weird when we went to Wendy's? <laughs> like, but they couldn't, like, they just, they're just they just stuck with that because they can't reach out to each other, you know what I mean? Right. Like, so, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know why I couldn't talk to you at Wendy's. <laughs> and apparently the writers didn't know either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, another, another uh, trope that I think is generally not as good, Chainsaw Man is the exception, is fan service that does not contribute to the story. <laughs> You see this primarily in anime, and you all know what I'm talking about. You, yep. you all, do I? Yeah, I'm, no, just, I'm just going to explain it for people who don't happen to know what fan service is. Fan service is heavily, heavily, heavily geared towards the male audience, where they focus in on the assets of the female figure in a perverted way, you would say. Um, sometimes it's hilarious, if handled well. Other times it's just like, oh... We're just we're just cool. We're just we're just, we're just gonna object, <laughs> we're just gonna objectify and stare at some boobs. We're we're fighting a war right now. Why 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 is why why do we have to see cleavage? There's no need for it. We are fighting an international demon war. The main character just died for some reason. Why are we looking at thighs? Mm-hmm. Now look, I look. I like size as much as the next person, but come on. Like, it, at the end of the day, if it doesn't progress a story, it's just there to serve the male audience, which at the end of the day, I don't think is good storytelling, and I think it's just a cop-out coming mm-hmm. from a male viewer. So, uh, yeah, that's one fan service I don't like. The only one that gets away with it, in my opinion, is Chainsaw Man. Because, yeah, it's, uh, it's a part of his character because he didn't come from anything. Like, he's literally poor, had to sell one of his kidneys, organs, and eyes. And just he just wants the basic minimum life, and so if he wants to touch some boobs as a goal, I can see it like, oh yeah, this is part of the story because he didn't have any of that. He only dreamed about maybe getting a girlfriend or talking to someone or maybe inviting them <laughs> over to eat some bread and jam. He didn't even have bread and jam, but yeah, Chainsaw Man, in my opinion, is where fan service actually progresses the plot. <laughs> All yeah. right. All right. Well, ending on that note. Um, just to remind you, we are listening to WLPNLP Chicago, 105.5 FM, Lumpen Radio. There's a WhatsApp, Consume Media, You Are What You Watch. We're going to take a short break and be right back. We are back. You are listening to WhatsApp, Consume Media, You Are What You Watch. In today's show, we talked about our favorite and least favorite tropes. And in this next block, we've got What's in Your Feed?, with some of the WhatsApp team, and we'll connect with Polo Vega, aka Triones, for a discussion on media consumption. Stay tuned. So, I guess we can start off by um, we had this little section we thought would be fun just to see um, what type of media we consume, um, just to check out what's in our feed. So we're each gonna go one by one for check the first three posts, talk about. Why do you follow them? Um, why you're on that app the most? And um, why do you follow those certain content creators? 
And yeah, who wants to go first, guys? Jeremiah? I will go first. Okay. So, the first thing on my feed is an anime art by I.C. Kim. She is a illustrator who is godly for some unknown reason. And she creates these very cool concept art and character art as well as animation as well. So as of right now, she has this character who uh, is female, has like a bodysuit that is made of like arms and has multiple mm. arms just projecting out of like her, her body in portals. Ooh, quite sick. frankly, it is quite amazing. Mm-hmm. The next one is an ad. We are not, we are skipping that one. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I have the Witcher promos. I haven't <laughs> played the game yet, so. And then another one I like is I follow this uh, uh, this uh, Instagram uh, called uh, Fantasy Art Club, and it's just a bunch of uh, like artists. Like they take artists and basically promote their work on their uh, social. So it's fun. Today we have this, which is a bunch of cats as superheroes. So this oh, is Venom. So we have Spider Man. That's cool. As a little cat, we oh. also have Thanos cat. Ooh. Oh. And you know what's what makes me love this even more? They're so well drawn yeah, and like really rendered because it's such it's not even like look, Aquaman cat. Aquaman cat is oh. just amazing, man. But yeah, like the the fact of the matter is I love this uh this Instagram page because it's just a lot of really well drawn arts and some of it is just hilarious concepts. But yeah, that's my Instagram feed. Who would like to go next? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll me. go next. Um, the very first thing when I open Instagram right now is um, some fan art of Stranger Things, which I don't watch Stranger <laughs> Things. I haven't seen an episode. Um, but this artist draws like other things I like, so that's why this is up here. It's um, Salmon, Salmon Blub, if anyone wants to see it, the fan art. Uh, and the very next thing I have is a meme that says my personality is arguing over what to wear. And it's the two Danny Phantom characters, Sam <laughs> and I forgot the other girl's name. But that's literally me. Uh, one day I'll be completely like e-girl. Um, and the next day I'll be like completely dressed to pink, like shiny everything. And so, yeah, I just like I follow way too many memes pages on Instagram, honestly. Uh, and the last thing is a little video from Ferret Videos like page, which I used to have a ferret and I miss my ferret, so I follow like three different ferret meme pages. Um, and it's a little white ferret getting into a pan and then like pretending to cook it, and it pops out a little black ferret. Oh, yeah. I follow a lot of like really cute like animal pages because I honestly just use like Instagram to de-stress, like when mm-hmm. I'm on the bus or something. But yeah, so those are my like three first posts when I opened Instagram today. Cool, cool. Sam, you want to go next? Sure. Yeah, basically the first thing that pops up for me is like from NBC Chicago that says, beyond the race for governor, this Illinois election will feature some big decisions. That's that's like a big thing right now, especially like people voting and stuff. Have y'all voted yet? Yo. No. I am a minor. Oh, <laughs> true, true. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> have you voted yet? <laughs> Uh, I have not, but have, I will be ha, soon. Have you as a responsible well. adult voted yet? Or <laughs> no. Stop. Don't come for me. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the first thing. The second thing is this, like, fan art from, it's called Suiming. I don't know their at, like, how to pronounce it. But, yeah, it's basically, like, a mob cycle. Basically, like, a drawing of, like, the broccoli that's in the show and just kind of, like, a picture of mob and then like um i forgot this girl's name but yeah she's kind of like next to him and stuff he's like it's very cute and then yeah it's just him and then it's like the background's pretty cool as well 
Yeah. That's gorgeous. It is, it is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew how to draw. But Ariane knows how to draw. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just putting you on the spot. And another post, my third one, is from Scary Sappho. And she's kind of just showing, like, her crochets and, like, hot, like, the websites that she uses to crochet and just kind of, like, you know, not being scared of starting and just, like, really, like, just crocheting. Like, I like crocheting, like, even though I haven't done it, but I really want to get into it. So, Ariandi? All right. So, yeah, um, my first three posts um, was this meme on Twitter. Um, I... Don't really use Twitter a lot, but I think Twitter would have been better because on Instagram, I just follow like a ton of like random accounts. I follow like anybody. <laughs> so on Twitter, I have my first tweet was I was at a group crit, crit earlier, which is like, you know, like a group crit, like, you know, where like artists come together and they like criticize like artwork. And one student asked, how do I find my style? And the professor was like, you don't need to find your style. You need to work on your perspective. <laughs> that's kind <laughs> of mean, but I feel like that's also kind of like the stuff you kind of like listen to. Um, that was a tweet by N-A-U-M-I four N's, Naumin. And the next post I have is actually one of my favorite artists um, ever. Their name is Aquabunny on Instagram, Twitter. And their art is so cool. And it's like a, like, it's like Patreon sticker she's giving out um, because they have like a Patreon. And if you subscribe to it, you get like monthly stickers and stuff. And it's like a little wizard bunny and it just looks so cool. Like oh, nice. really cute and pink and stuff. And um, last one, um, it's just a, like, it's like a Japanese page from Yakuza, like, just posting, like, content. <laughs> I just, I really love Yakuza a lot. It's, like, my favorite video game series. Um, yeah. So, we are going to move forward now um, with an interview with Trionis, um, who is a music producer, therapist, and meme creator. And he is also known, well, his real name is Polo Vega. And we are going to ask him a few questions. Um, and I guess we'll start off with um, Jasmine. Um, I think he's coming in right now. Um, Woohoo. Ooh, yeah. I'm ready now. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you're able to listen to me. Yeah, I think we can hear you. Is everything good? Yes. All right, awesome. Yeah, everything okay. Hello. Okay, awesome. So, hi. hi, welcome to the show. And um, so you just heard, you know, us talk about what's on our feed, but I think it would be interesting for the viewers to learn what's on your feed. So, like, you know, you open up whatever app you use the most. What's the first kind of like uh-huh. content you follow? Well, first, would you like to introduce yourself oh, yeah. for the audience? Oh, yeah. Um, my name is Polo, Polo Vega. Um, I make music and produce music. Uh, under the name Triones, which um, is, I think, translating it to to English is like trillions, but there's a numeric thing that it will be, the equal numeric translation will be billions. Somehow I get um, devaluated when, when I cross, cross the border. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I live in, well, I'm from Mexicali, that is, um, a small city uh, in the border uh, with the United States. It's in Baja, Baja California. We are uh, neighbors with, with California. And I have lived there most of my life. Right now I'm living in Mexico City. And and sometimes, uh, like you just said, uh, I, I make uh, memes. And I like to 
create these memes like with, with an intention of of putting there um, themes like mental health or um, emotional intelligence or um, well to create like more healthy relationships I'm gonna apologize to you guys because my English is really rusty like I, I have been out of practice like the since the COVID lockdown and so I'm really having a little bit of a hard time but, but uh, it's a good practice for me too no, I, I think you're you're fine. Your English is fine. Um, but... <laughs> okay, so the, the question was, what isn't on my feet? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so um, mostly I use Instagram, and I think that what I follow there are accounts um, on three principal subjects. Maybe some of them are memes. Um, some of them are. Uh, about uh, mental health or um, health in general, you know, like um, um, physicians, um, psychiatrists, or um, therapists, colleagues of me. Um, and some of them are about music accounts that uh, are from another fellow musicians, producers, or people that make. Uh, shows or festivals or uh, things that I'm interested in that matter in music. I think that those are the, the three principal um, themes on my on my feed, yeah. Mostly memes, but to be honest. Nice. Nice. Um, could you explain or describe, um, like, how do you merge mental and social awareness with uh, meme culture? And why is that your goal? Well, um, I think that years ago, memes just started to appear in our social media, and they were taking just uh, like a, a visual piece just to laugh, and uh, like that was it. But it, it has evolved to um, from some perspective I think it's just like it's art um, but in another it's and, and in the way that I like to to use them it's um it's a really refined communication tool it's like uh, this really well synthesized um, well it's okay I'm gonna need to speak in, in Spanish, like in these kind of questions, because I'm not gonna try to, to explain myself. Um, for me as a therapist, I have the, uh, the, I understand that language is really important. It's not just the way that we reflect how, to, how do we see the world, but it's the, the material um, with which we can constrict construct our reality. So um, I need if you want like to, to answer this, I need to make it like in Spanish because I'm gonna be able to explain myself like um, more eloquent and and I don't know if, if someone can translate it or something. I can like make pauses. Of course. And then yeah? Okay. Bien. 
Eh, para mí irse los memes es, es una forma de comunicación muy refinada que nos puede hacer que temas bien complejos y difíciles de entender los podemos hacer llegar muy rápido y de manera muy sencilla. So he uses meme culture because he wants to talk about really complex topics and to make it something to talk about that's more accessible and people can understand. Um, he likes to apply them to memes because people just consume memes very fast and like they will find them more relatable. That makes sense. Y, tam uh -huh. y también tiene este factor que es muy fácil de consumir y a la gente nos mueve a replicarlo. Hay un proceso de empatía en eso. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like I said previously, like it's really easy to consume and when you talk about it in a way that's like very like sympathetic and like like humorous, um people will begin to like be open to talk about it more. Mm -hmm. Entonces, um el proceso de empatía que hay es que cuando algo nos hace reír en un meme o algo nos nos hace como pen, nos deja reflexionando es porque algo tiene que ver con nosotros y al momento que yo comparto esto y otros conectan con esa pieza que comparto hay un proceso de empatía en eso mm -hmm. so yeah basically when he posts things like that people will want to relate to him well obviously relate to him because it's a meme and it's like easy to talk about as opposed to where you're sitting down with like a therapist and like it's like really awkward and like really one on one but just like doing that first step and like talking to people using memes about serious topics it's like the first step into like openly talking about mental health which is something that we should do so you make them feel more comfortable mm -hmm. in order to open up about themselves mm -hmm. sí sí y, y fíjate eso es lo que nos pasa yo creo a todos inconscientemente o sea no solo yo lo hago sino eso es un proceso que a todos nos pasa cuando compartimos memes y cuando consumimos memes It's like something that happens to all of us when we like look at memes and like watch memes and stuff like that. Do you have any particular sí, topics that you have a, they, do you have any favorite particular topics that you like to focus on with your work? Yo creo que eh, responsabilidad afectiva. Uh, effective responsibility. Would you care to elaborate? Mm -hmm. Sí. Um, si puedes um, hablar poquito más de eso. Sí, eh, claro. Mm, desde que se abrió, yo creo que la, la etapa pandémica hizo un parteaguas en cómo antes se escondían los temas de salud mental y los hablamos como muy en secreto. Y a partir de la pandemia en adelante, la gente, no solo en, acá en nuestro país, en Estados Unidos, yo creo que a nivel mundial, Vamos a hablar abiertamente sobre la salud mental. So he's saying that we should be able to open, be openly talk about mental health and not have it be like a taboo topic. Um, yeah. Entonces, um, hay muchas dinámicas en la forma en que antes establecíamos nuestras relaciones generaciones pasadas que decíamos, oh, esto es normal. So um, back in the day, um, through generations, like um, we will like slowly begin to talk about it like normally, um, starting now, um, like through meme culture, 
um, it's like the first step in talking about it. Like it's a normal topic. Y ahora que se ha abierto más como el tema de la salud mental, empezamos a hablar de responsabilidad afectiva y de que hay otras formas de relacionarnos más sanas, más funcionales y que hay otras tantas que ya podríamos haber modificado o dejado atrás. So now that through meme culture that we're able to like, oh, well, his goal is now that we're able to openly talk about it, the next step would be um, stopping it from being a taboo topic and actually um, taking those next steps to finding help and not being afraid to do that. Mm -hmm. Y creo que el, el poder permear esos mensajes de otro tipo de relaciones más funcionales, incluso yo como hombre, poder permear mensajes para dejar ciertas masculinidades muy tóxicas que nos enseñaron generaciones pasadas y empezar a ver otro tipo de masculinidades más funcionales, creo que es importante. Um, looking for help and beginning to acknowledge like our toxic traits, for example, like himself, he's a man, and talking about toxic masculinity openly and being able to acknowledge it with other men or like other people in the community um, would be awesome and hopefully through talking about meme culture and like things like that people will be more open to talk about um, topics like I said like toxic masculinity de hecho no cuando hablamos la pura palabra masculinidad pues hay ya rápido asociaciones que se nos vienen no de inmediato automáticamente y como decía el lenguaje es nuestra herramienta para cambiar la realidad. Si hablamos de otras masculinidades, desde ahí ya estamos diciendo, hey, no hay una sola masculinidad, hay muchas formas y otras muchas más sanas de poder eh, ejercer una masculinidad o gestionar una masculinidad. There are just like, um, just be, there's like, masculinity is like a very deep um, rooted um, problem and it's not just talking about it, um, we have to like acknowledge it. Um, in our communities mm -hmm. and um, just keep talking about it in order to um, change. Y es eso, ¿no? Simplemente de la vez. Otras masculinidades son posibles. Hay masculinidades más altas. Okay. Um, so you obviously mm -hmm. talked about a lot about like masculinity and stuff, but and through mm -hmm. meme culture. So when did you first decide like this is the way I want to do it? I want to do it through memes. I want to do it on Instagram. How did you come to that conclusion? Like, how did you make that decision? Eh, pasó orgánicamente. Empezó el lockdown en la pandemia y en mi cuenta antes era solo de música, de mi de mi música como trillón. Empecé a mezclar la música con lo de salud mental primero. Um, it happened during the pandemic. He he still does music, but he was doing his music and he decided to talk about mental health through his music. Antes tenía bien separado como la parte de ah, yo como músico y totalmente aparte como yo como terapeuta. Nunca mezclaba esos dos mundos. He would never mix his um, his therapeutic practice with his music practice, um, but now he finally decided to do that. Y al hacerlo de esa manera a la par, como todo el mundo estaba en este lockdown que nos generó mucho ansiedad y muchos como que muchas cosas personales salieron a flote para muchas personas yo dije, mi forma de ayudar va a ser hacerlos reír un rato todos los días and during the pandemic when everybody was anxious and scared he wanted to make people laugh and he was going to do that by using meme culture and his music 
Y entonces, todos los días subían stories un montón, como 80, 90 memes. Creo que llegaba a 100, que era lo máximo que me permitía Instagram. Todos los días. Every day he would post a ton of memes, like his story would be like maxed out. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he just wanted to make people laugh. All right. Y de ahí, y de ahí me di cuenta que eso generaba un proceso de empatía. Y me di cuenta que la gente por medio de mensajes realmente me agradecía mucho sin que yo lo buscara. Y esos mensajes y esas interacciones me, dieron cuenta, me hicieron darme cuenta que había algo importante ¿no? en el meme y en la forma en que podía sanar y generar otros procesos. People will reach out to him and thank him for like sharing something funny like that to brighten up their days. And he decided that oh, I can spread a bigger message with memes and social media. And so we decided to talk about mental health. Incluso algo divertido es que había había parejas que ya tomaban. Es que yo lo subía en un momento del día y de repente no había ningún meme y de repente entrabas y en unos minutos yo ya había subido los 80, 90, 100. All right. So we're finally, thank you so much for like your responses and like we want to like move on to an exercise about mm -hmm. like where we have you kind of look at this video that okay. we're going to show you and just kind of get a reaction from it and kind of get what you think, so. Abuela, it's okay, everything's, we're going to save the miracle. The magic. What are you talking about? Look at our home, look at your sister. Please, just. Isabella wasn't happy and Of she course didn't... she's unhappy. You ruined her proposal. No, no, she needed me to ruin her proposal. And then we did all this <sighs> and the candle burned brighter and the crash. That's why I'm in the vision. I'm saving the miracle. You have to stop, Mirabel. The crack started with you. Bruno left because of you. Luis is losing her powers. Isabella's out of control because of you. I don't know why you weren't given a gift, but it is not an excuse for you to hurt this family. I will never be good enough for you. Will I? No matter how hard I try, No matter how hard any of us tries, Luisa will never be strong enough. Isabella won't be perfect enough. Bruno left our family because you only saw the worst in Bruno him. Bruno didn't care about this family. He loves this family. I love this family. We all love this family. You're the one that doesn't care. You're the one breaking our home. Don't you the ever. miracle is dying because of you. Okay, so, oh, my first reaction to that clip, that clip makes you want to cry every time. Um, but obviously, so I want to let you, I want to know, what's your first reaction to that clip? Have you seen Encanto or is this like the first time you're seeing that no, clip? No, this is the first time that I see this. Really? <laughs> really? Wow. Do, you, yes. do you want context for the scene so you can like better analyze it? Or, uh, yes, please, because okay. this seems like taken out of a... Televisa's soap opera or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so just a little quick synopsis of Encanto. It's about um, this family who they all have magical gifts um, because the grandma actually was running away from people 
Uh, she asked for a miracle. She had this candle, and when she placed it on the ground, this whole magical house popped up, and every kid born after that um, had a magical gift instead of, um, in- except the girl in the clip, um, Mirabelle. She doesn't have it, and she's kind of the scapegoat to the family. Everything gets blamed on her, and there was a mm. vision from her uncle because he has the power to see the future. Um, that kind of hinted at her being the cause of everyone's powers slowly disappearing. And so at this point in the story, she has this whole kind of um, reconcile with her sister. They make up and the sister's power like kind of grows crazy and the candle burns brighter, signifying the miracle, like healing. But then the grandma sees this because her sister was like the perfect one. So her grandma sees them all like, you know, dirty with these colors on them. And she flips out, and that what leads to this scene. Um, it's the confrontation between them, where Mirabel thinks she's helping, and she technically, yeah, she really is. But the grandma tears her down, and the candle starts, you know, falling. The candle starts um, to dim, and the house starts falling apart. So literally, right after this scene, the whole house comes crumbling down, and everyone's powers disappear until the end of the movie, where. Um, after having a heart-to-heart with the grandmother and this really beautiful song in Spanish and like learning the grandma's past, does the powers come back? So it's kind of hinted that in the story, the miracle, um, it's only going to stick with the family if the um, if the family has like healthy like relationships with one another. And so that'll mm-hmm. let you have context um, for the clip. What What is your first reaction to it? My, my first reaction was that um I think, well, just seeing the clip out of context, uh, it, it felt like this dramatic soap opera know, that you've seen with, with your grandparents when you were growing up. Um, but also, I was like, hmm, in our culture, um, abuelos and abuelas have like a lot more of um, respect for our, from the grandchildren. Like, I think that it will be hard to for a grandchildren to talk that way to to an abuela or abuelo. Uh, honestly, yeah, that's probably like that in my family too. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, we'll be right back with this interview with Polo Vega after a short break. We're back. You're listening to What's Up on WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM London Radio. This is Consume Media. You are what you watch. And here's the rest of the interview with Polo Vega. But, you know, like during like all these productions movie, I've noticed like a trend with COVID, um, like Disney really portraying like generational trauma because a lot of people say that's what Encanto is about and stuff. Yeah. Um, and like also oh. turning red. Um, so what do you what do you think of this like portrayal, but specifically Latino generational trauma? Do you think it's like a good thing or is, are they doing it well? Or is it just negatively affecting society? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like, well, Disney is always like, like really clever to, to take this um, universal human conflicts and just throw it in, in a specific culture. Like this phrase, I, I think she said, I will never be good enough for you. It's like this um, permanent um, conflict when a son or a grandchildren is developing um, his or her own individuality, personality, because as an another individual, it always has to to get in a in a phase or of conflict with the values and the ideas that have been 
teach over the years from the past generations of the family. And it's a natural conflict for any person, any human being. So we can develop our own character, personality, individuality, and ideas. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> and I think um, we might be running out of time here for this interview, but I guess like for the last question to wrap it up, how would you bring this topic to your page? Hmm. I think, oh, that's, that's a good one. Um, have you seen like this? Uh, I don't know how to say it like this. Uh, meme that it's like really, really used like, and then there's like, sometimes it's Drake like in this video and there's two screens and, and from one he's like, <laughs> like, and, Eh, como que no me gusta esto y en el otro dice como que ah, está súper bien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, a lo mejor, maybe I will put like in the first screen, like um, judging and invalidar las ideas de tus hijos o, de, o de cuando están cuestionando algo. Mm -hmm. Y pondría Drake like, oh no, man. And, y después pondría como que, hey, permitir el cuestionamiento y permitir el, el que desarrolle sus propias ideas. Mm -hmm. y validar sus sentimientos, aunque sean distintos al tuyo, le pondría como a Drake, como que, ah, va, sí. <laughs> um, he said that um, to portray um, generational trauma, he would make a Drake meme, where it's like, during the Hotline Bling video, where he's like, oh, I don't know about that, where it's like people, you know, like, not listening to their children and like um, keeping that generational trauma moving. Um, and But he'd be like, okay, okay. Um, um, sitting down and talking about mental health and like um, basically fostering healthy relationships with your children and like generations to come, which I think is pretty pero cool. Fí <laughs> pero fíjate, rápido ahorita, mientras te escuchaba, pensé, mm, no usaría Drake porque justo no es una figura masculina que me gustaría replicar por muchas cosas en las que ha estado metido. Mm -hmm. He just said that he wouldn't want to use Drake because actually he's kind of toxic. Yeah. <laughs> Preferiría mil veces poner a Patricio Estrella o a Esponja como que haciendo thumbs up y como que el otro así como como que no esto no. He said he'd probably use like SpongeBob or Patrick Star because <laughs> they're they're better. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, um, I think I speak for all of us when I say thank you so much for being here with us. Thank um, you. Before thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. This was fun, and I hope this project keeps growing and amplifying um, your audience. And pues, que todo vaya mejor para ustedes y que tengan bonito día. Muchas gracias, igualmente. Gracias. 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 Bye. Bye. Well, now, let us uh, take a break, a song break, and let's start with the Trillionas song about Siempre Parielos. Welcome back. You are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. This is What's Up. Consume media, you are what you watch. We just talked about Polo Vega, aka Trillionis, and now here's me, Jeremiah, with an audio piece on media production during COVID. COVID. 
disease that rocked the world all the way back in 2019. The fears around this one virus was soon followed by a discomfort of, thir- of a three-year lockdown. For us, it was an uncomfortable time, but we were able to make the most of it. I'm sure during the lockdown, we as consumers exposed ourselves to all sorts of recreational media. But what about the people who make said recreational media? That is the topic I'm about to discuss. See, the lockdown brought about many hurdles and problems in regards to media production. For one thing, it was a scary concept. We were being quarantined in our homes for the sake of protecting the human race, our loved ones, and family. It was also uncomfortable. Not being able to go out unless it was for essentials was also a difficult pill to swallow. Sure, we all had to face these issues, but media production teams such as animators, VFX artists, producers, voice actors, storyboard artists, concept artists, background artists, there's a lot of artists, had to deal with these struggles, and then some. For one, they had to work from home and communicate via Zoom calls. I'm sure taking your work home with you could bring up a number of personal and work issues. For one, maybe they had a family they needed to take care of. Schools weren't open at the time, so a lot of kids were just learning remotely. And we all know that sucked. The lack of social interaction is another major issue. Sure, Zoom calls may get the message across and relay important information, but face-to-face social interaction, especially in a team-oriented project, like making a game, movie, TV show, etc., helps improve workflow. Not having that is not ideal to say the very least. It wasn't just the artistic side that suffered, the technical side arguably had it worse. In early March of 2020, the box office lost almost $5 billion in sales. Over in China, 70,000 theaters and cinemas were closed in January 2020. It gets worse. Due to the pandemic and full lockdown, even big name studios weren't safe from going out of business. On February 9th, 2021, Blue Sky Studios, the creators of wonderful films such as the Ice Age films, Rio, and Spies in Disguise closed due to the fact that financial impact from the pandemic. If studios got shut down, one can imagine the fact that release dates got pushed back. And I mean pushed back. Release dates for movies got delayed from a couple of months all the way to indefinitely. Now you may be thinking to yourself, Wow, Jeremiah, that all sounds really terrible. How did they manage to get through it? Well, us being humans, we find a way around the problem. Even with all these hurdles, studios still managed to make wonderful films. Riot the Last Dragon was made completely during the lockdown period, which is just insane. The Bad Guys movie started production back in 2018 and wasn't released until April 2022. And I'm sure we all know the majesty that is Encanto. Mind you, most of the glory was created during the lockdown. Yes, even the music, which spanned over five years. We don't talk about Bruno. Don't even get me started on the legendary movie known as Demon Slayer Mugen Train, the highest grossing film of 2020 and the highest grossing film ever in Japan. Released during the lockdown, mind you. Man, that's a great movie. And do I even need to say anything about Arcane? I probably don't, but I'm going to anyway because it's just that good. Oh baby, that show is what we in the biz call a cinematic masterpiece. The story, structures, characters, world building, fight sequences, it was, dare I say, perfect. And production happened during the COVID period as well. I've been talking about movies as my primary source of media for all my negatives. Uh, they had it so hard, but they got through it. Yes. However, there was another major industry that, while facing similar struggles, was also far, far more resilient than the movie industry. The gaming industry. Sure, employees still had to work from home and had to deal with distancing and communication issues via Zoom, but they also were working on their own coping mechanism. Game sales shot up during the pandemic to record-breaking sales. Elden Ring took around four years to make. Majority of its production was during the COVID pandemic. And look at how successful that was. 
Game sales shot up during the pandemic to record-breaking sales. Elden Ring took around 4 years to make. Majority of its production was during the COVID pandemic. And look at how successful that was. Online gaming has grown in popularity as a way to socially interact while still being safe, even if it is behind a screen. <laughs> alright, look. The League community may not be the best community in the world, alright? But, but, the game got me through some stale moments throughout high school and the lore itself brings a smile to my face. I've even made some dope friends who, believe it or not, are not that toxic. Okay, maybe they rage a little bit, but I think every competitive game has some aspect of rage, even just a little bit. What was I saying? Ah, yes. The only major loss in revenue during the gaming industry suffered was events and cons. Sure, some games got delayed, but even before COVID, games were still doing that. I'm looking at you, Bendy in the Dark Revival, as well as you, Cyberpunk. Anyways, a loss in events and cons were partially made up for by virtual presentations and virtual games and events, such as a, lo a lot of esports and studio showcasings. Like Project L being teased by Riot Games, which is coming in 2023. Let's go! My only hope is that they put set in the game. <clears throat> Sorry. In any case, media production definitely slowed down during the pandemic and locked down and even halted entirely in some cases. But I think it says something about the talent and, and people behind these passion projects that even through these tough circumstances, they were able to create amazing pieces of art for us to enjoy and experience. That is amazing. Continuing on from what Jeremiah was talking about in his audio piece of like media production during COVID, I guess I want to like bring up the question of what did you guys do during COVID? I know for me, I got I really got into TikTok. Like, how many of you guys are like really into TikTok or got into TikTok because of COVID? I like didn't get into TikTok until like two months ago. But I did see like TikToks all over Instagram and stuff. Like obviously it was like everywhere. So it was really cool. Like the dance challenges, they're fun. Yeah. I have evaded TikTok to this day uh, solely for the fact that I've always thought it was cringe. But then YouTube shorts became a thing. And now I have TikTok in my YouTube feed. So in a way, I have uh, evaded TikTok. I know for me, like, I try to avoid TikTok as much as I could during COVID, like, the beginning, but, like, it got to the point where my friend had it, my best friend had it, my sister, my sister-in-law, and they all wanted to send me TikToks, but I didn't have an account, so I kind of, like, almost forced to make one, and then I, I just went down so many rabbit holes because of it, and honestly, I still use it till today, so, yeah, TikTok definitely got its claws into me, but that was, that's my experience with TikTok. I was going to ask, um, did TikTok get you guys into any new interest? Um, honestly, yeah. I know for me, like, I got into TikTok. It was, like, summer of, like, 2019 just because, you know, I was born and I saw, like, people were, like, really into that and stuff. So I was like, okay, let me see what's up. And then I saw, like, a rise in, like, anime. So a lot of people started watching, like, anime and stuff. And I guess from there, like, I saw like a bunch of like recommendations that people were talking about. So I checked some of those things out. And I think, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but how like um, I wasn't into like anime as much, like only like in like seventh grade. And then like in high school, like I kind of dropped it, like I forgot about it. And then it wasn't until like COVID basically. And then in TikTok, and then I kind of just got back into that. And so like, I guess a lot of like trends and like, you know, I don't know if you guys know about how like the live photos like in on your phone like how you can like save like a video and then have it as like your live photo and um it's kind of cringy admitting but like I had that for like some anime characters and so yeah I got I think it was just 
anime that got that really got me into because of TikTok and stuff and just what everybody was talking about. I can definitely see that. Yeah, with uh, with how popular TikTok be- became and the fact that we were all in a lockdown state and confused out of our minds. I am very pleasantly surprised how anime's popularity just skyrocketed because I always knew how like the quality of it was amazing. But even now, the quality has just kept surprising me with how good it's been lately. And I'm glad it's becoming more mainstream and more recognized because it deserves the recognition and the hype. So, yeah. What about you, Jasmine? Um, I say TikTok got me like, I followed some uh, like tutorial creators, so, like, because I sew and knit and stuff. So, I followed a lot of like those short form tutorials. But then, like, another thing TikTok got me into, which I feel like I talk about a lot, but I'm going to talk about it again, um, is uh, Minecraft. It got me really into the Dream SP fandom, uh, which is a Minecraft multi server, like, player multi multiplayer server and also got me into hermitcraft because like i just kept seeing these things like come into my for you page and just like kind of went off searched them up on like youtube and i've been in like those fandoms ever since like i still watch a lot of the content creators i found because of tiktok and like during that time during covid i still watch them today like i literally was watching a video earlier today of them um I mean, I'm not complaining but i did send it did send me around a lot of different fandom rabbit holes yeah TikTok has become like the new Pinterest. Well, like for me at least, like I'll see like TikTok videos where it's like fashion and like, um, like I love to watch people's like studios, like their desks and how they're laid out and stuff. Or just like um, a lot of like artist inspiration. Like I follow a lot of like, accounts who just post like art, like manga artists and stuff like that. And it's just like, damn, there's like Pinterest for me. Yeah, now that you like bring up like the fashion, like dude, that was just like one of the main like things that I also like, I'm on TikTok for is just like what people upload and just like kind of doing like their outfits of the day and just like dude I love that like I have like a whole like you know how you can have like collections like on TikTok so like I just be saving a bunch of videos of just what people wear and stuff and just kind of like getting inspired from that so like definitely even though I had nowhere to go during quarantine I was still saving those like outfits just for the future I guess you could say um and then i guess another thing would be like manga as well i wasn't into manga like i had no idea what manga was and then it was during i guess quarantine like i saw more people talking about manga and i was more on like the i guess you could say the digital mangas like on the forbidden websites (laughs) Um, so yeah i i was mostly on there and then i saw people talking about like the physical versions and i'm like you know what let me give a try Dude, and then I spent like so much money on mangas and just like I, I did I remember I did like a like a what is it like a haul of what I bought. It was like it was a bunch of books. So yeah, that was one of the things that I guess I developed from quarantine and like TikTok. That is beautiful. It brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> Dude, I know. <laughs> it's like I got converted. Yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. I, I also got uh, really into manga uh, during the quarantine because you know what really got me into it? It was annoying to me. I see these memes like like anime only won't get this or uh, mm-hmm. manga readers try not to spoil be like, and I'm like, what? The, what? What is this? And then I read my first manga series through uh, front, uh, all the way through and I'm like, oh my God, I know what it feels like now and I understand why they have this hype towards reading the manga and knowing what actually happens because the manga 
the manga is its own little separate like adventure if you will because sure you can see the pictures animated in an anime and it's quote-unquote less work to sit down and watch something but when you read it you get to really appreciate the detailed drawings in certain mangas and sometimes it's only drawn by one person which is absolutely incredible so that's one of the many reasons why i still love manga to this day yeah uh ariandi you have a thought on the contrary i feel like i feel like watching anime is harder than reading manga like honestly i feel like 10 chapters and i'm like dude i can read 10 chapters in like a day you know what i mean so it's like i feel like reading manga is like faster than actually watching the anime but for me i always felt like watch reading the manga was better because sometimes the adaptations were like not like on par with how good the art is in the manga so you just don't get like the same feel or like the same effect like sometimes an illustration just really does like more emotion than like an animated panel or like something could ever do so i just love reading manga or they just completely butcher the source material i'm talking at you berserk tokyo ghoul and the promise neverland season two yeah berserk my, is a big one my god the promise neverland fell so it fell it tripped on its ankle fell down three thousand flights of stairs and then still managed to stab itself in the eye i don't know how it like messed up that badly yeah and then like you bringing up tokyo ghoul i know i watched like the first and like the second season and then i heard about like how the other season like it was nothing along with like the manga so i was like i guess that was like another thing like with manga i'm like you know what let me i want to buy the manga for the tokyo because i want to know what happens because i don't want to read i don't want to watch like all of that messed up season so yeah what other things did you guys get into during quarantine did you guys read anything else other than manga like did you guys read any books um honestly uh with like quarantine and stuff i actually like finally got a library card i didn't have one since like 2010. i wanted to buy manga but also like i'm in quarantine there's not many there's not a lot of ways to make money so like i got a library card got the libby app to like read free books i went through like a phase of just like binge reading like all the new like ya novels coming out and i can't remember like like the exact list but like the two most recent ones like i've read like kind of like this year were um ace of spades and i think alone out there one is like a space like adventure thing where like this is the last hope for humanity sending a spaceship off but the spaceship has to launch early because like oh no there was an attack and so it's instead of like being one percent of the population that's saved it's only like 53 kids like all like teenagers and the other one was like a really cool like mystery where it's like these these two black kids are getting bullied in an all-white school and like the whole conspiracy they find which like honestly highly suggest that i hope it gets made into a movie i was literally like screaming at the last like three chapters of this book and it like switches between like the pov of like each character like the girl and the guy anyway but yeah so anyone who doesn't have a library card get a library card that was like my saving grace during covid honestly noted yeah. um regarding books that aren't japanese comic books um, I've read American comic books, but I've also read novels by Rick Riordan and novels published by Rick Riordan, not just written by him as well. Um, a personal favorite, like I've read the uh, Percy Jackson series like a long, long time ago, but uh, I think uh, my recent my recent favorite one is a uh, Daughter of the Sea or is it Daughter of the Deep? I can't remember like the specific title off the top of my head, but it's Daughter of the Sea or Daughter of the Deep, and it's actually 
a pretty fun and engaging story. There's also uh, Tristan Strong uh, punches a hole in the sky, which I think is a really awesome title. And they're all based on these cool uh, different mythologies from around the world. So that's something I've always uh, still um, read to this day. So yeah. Uh, what about you, Ariandi? I didn't really read like books, books during the pandemic. Um, well, mostly I mostly read like autobiographies. If I'm t- if I was to read like a book, Psh, I did um realize that like I have like a really specific taste during the pandemic. Like if I was to sit down and read a book, I'd have to like it has to be like an autobiography or like something that like completely like I can relate to to like really like sit down and read the whole thing because the last book that I actually like read thoroughly um it was called The Prince of Los Cocuyos and it's about this kid from Miami and he grew up gay and it was just him trying to like find his identity and accept himself and I was just like oh snap like I don't know it's just such a really good story and like the environment that's set in it just reminded me a lot of my childhood so it's like if, if a book doesn't really like I relate to it like I don't know thoroughly then I'm just like I lose interest. I don't know. I feel like I'm a very, my I, I lose interest very easily. Like ADHD is real. Yeah, I get it. It's like if the book doesn't like relate to me in some way, I'm going to just like, I'm going to find it a little boring. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no pictures, my baby brain can't comprehend it. <laughs> Was there any like music during quarantine that you guys got into or back into? J-pop, and I'm not ashamed of it. You may all fight me on this ground. Yeah. On I really got into Eve, um, but it's not it's not how you think. Like people are gonna be like, "Oh, you got into Eve because of Juice Kaisen." Yes, but before that, it was before that I discovered him. Like I didn't know who this guy was, but I just loved the song, and I just searched up the song and never really looked into Eve after that. But then Jujutsu Kaisen came along, and it was like, "Oh, this is Eve." So the song I uh, I discovered was Drama Turkey. And it was from a game. It's uh, it's uh, played in a game called Groove Coaster, where it's a rhythm game. You gotta press buttons and slide the the knobs in a certain way to, to the to the rhythm and the beat, and to get a high score. And it's at this arcade called Round One. Long story short, that's how I discovered him, and I love him to this day. Uh, what about you, uh, Jasmine? There's like a couple bands, but I mean, not really music wise. The thing I got into most, like audio wise, was um like podcast. I absolutely burned through anything and everything QCast or QCode that that audio production company has produced like Edge of Sleep with Mark and Plyer on Baraska with one of those Frouse twins. Like I was sewing like mask on my machine beginning of quarantine and I literally had the, my phone right there and I binge listened to every single thing. And now I'm like on the Magus archives, which I'm still like burning through because that one's really long. But yeah, so all the audio stories and dramas, that's what I really like hyper fixated on. And honestly, I'm still hyper fixated on during quarantine. I They're just great. Honestly, just have it in the background doing going on runs, sewing everything, everything. I played them nonstop for like a year. Honestly, I have like, I have to add on to like both the J-pop and the podcast. I also got into like this one artist. He's like Japanese his name is uh, Fuji Kaze, I think, something. And then Lamp was like another like Japanese. I know Ariandi knows what I'm talking about. But <laughs> yeah, I got like really into them. But I, I kind of discovered them through like TikTok just because they started becoming like very popular. So yeah, I guess that was it for me. And then for podcasts during quarantine, I discovered, um, what is it? Like teenage, teenager therapy, I think is what they're called. Yeah, it's it really cool. Like, it's on Spotify. So if you guys want to check that out, 
There's no promo there. No, okay. <laughs> Sam really said, I'm going to do a plug without doing a plug. I checked them yeah. out, but you didn't hear from me. <laughs> I think we're wrapping up, right? All right. So you have been listening to WLPN, LP Chicago, 105.5 FM, Lumpin' Radio. This has been What's Up, title of the show, Consume Media. You are what you watch. We're going to take a short break and be right back. We are back. You are listening to What's Up, Consume Media, You Are What You Watch. In today's show, we are talking about um, the experiences of other people. We brought in some other people just to kind of kind of give their take on like what their experiences has been with COVID and just media and just kind of like getting basically some input from them. And we have like this little data that Ariandi got for us <laughs> regarding, you know, COVID and like social media. So if you want to tell us. Yeah, so in Emotional State and Social Media Experience, a pandemic case study by Olga the Six, Bikina, and Jae Hyung Park, they quote, analysis showed that weekly social media use was growing consistently during a pandemic by 4.2 hours on average. Additionally, nearly 40% of survey participants reported increased weekly social media use by 3.5 hours. Social media has become the main source of information about coronavirus infection, and because of the intensity and frequency of incoming news and warnings, the population has become more restless and anxious. Does this ring true to all of you? Do you feel as if your screen time has also gone up to the pandemic? Do you guys want to introduce yourselves first? Yeah, my name is Kayla, and I definitely think that my consumption of media um, has increased a lot, especially because, like, during the pandemic, I felt like all I did was, like, be on my phone or be watching TV, and kind of because I had, like, nothing else to do. Like, I'm stuck at home, you know? Um, And I will say that, like, even though I had, like, a lot of time to do stuff on my phone, like watch new shows, TV, um, movies or whatever, I do feel like there was like a negative impact on that too because I felt like, I don't know, I was just wasting so much time on my screen that sometimes it would like bother me a little bit because I'm like, I want to go out and do something else, you know? Um, I admit it, and I could agree with Kayla. Like, I had a lot of like screen time specifically because school was out for like a while and I would like watch shows and then it was like, you know, sometimes the things you would see on social media was pretty negative, so that was, like, a pretty big impact, too. But, yeah, my screen time went, like, it was bad. It was, like, a lot of screen time. But, yeah. Do you remember, like, how much your screen time was? I know, like, for me, it was, like, 10 hours. <laughs> me, too. Yeah. Yeah, mine, too. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say mine was, like, 10 or 12 hours sometimes. <laughs> I swear, yeah. 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, for the first question is, when the pandemic started, what do you remember watching, reading, or listening to the most? Um, Well, I always watched Twilight. That's like my comfort movie. (laughs) So I feel like I watched all the Twilight movies in a row. Um, I remember I also was watching some, like, anime shows on Netflix. I can't remember exactly... No, I do remember one show. It was like Vampire Night. I don't know if any of you guys watched that, but oh, yeah. that was the first time I ever seen that. And it was like pretty decent. So I don't know. I was just watching stuff I never had watched before. Um, and that was something that I remember. I was also rewatching Grey's Anatomy and that 70s show just because I've seen those already. So it was kind of nice to just watch those shows, especially because there are like so many seasons. Um, I would like 
I wasn't really into anime or like I would like come back and forth with anime but then when the pandemic hit I really started like watching anime a lot more um a comfort show for me well like that I recently kind of discovered not really though um was Hunter x Hunter it was like my comfort show a lot but yeah yeah I love Hunter x Hunter I also that's also like another anime that I picked up during the pandemic I never finished it but yeah it's It's just good from, from what I got it was really good and like Another question is, like, do you guys still consume that media? Like, do you feel like you've kind of grown, like, a connection to it, like, after the whole pandemic and being in quarantine? Well, I definitely feel like just because I wasted, like, well, I don't want to say wasted time, but since I spent so much time on media, like, whether that be on my phone, on the computer, with the TV, I feel like it just kind of became something a part of my routine especially now like even though like restrictions with the pandemic are totally different and the situation is like it wasn't as like strict as it used to be so I feel like either way like myself I just know like I've gotten in the routine like the moment I get home like I'm watching something or like when I'm eating I'm watching something and it could be anything um even when I'm at school too like I'll just be like scrolling through TikTok and it's just because it became a routine for me to just do that with my spare time I can agree too like it's it's um Ever since, like, the pandemic happened, my screen time has definitely increased. And it's been that way for, like, a long time now. But, like, I'm trying to cut it off more. It's kind of working. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there, like, a show or TV show, like, TV show or, like, game or movie that you guys bonded with during the pandemic? And, like, you feel like it's, like, a big part of you now? Like, something that really resonated with you during that time? Yeah, like, relatable. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, well, I kind of mentioned this already. Mm-hmm. I really like Twilight. <laughs> uh, just because, like, it was something that I, like, I think when the first Twilight movie came out, I was, like, seven, I think. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even really know anything about what was going on. But as I got older, I don't know, it was just something that I liked to watch. Like, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but in the first movie, you know how, like, Twilight has that blue filter, mm-hmm. like, on? I just feel like that looks so cool. And it was something, like, I don't know, I really liked about the movie. And it's just something that, like, when I'm mad or sad or I'm happy, like, since I've already watched it so many times, I feel like it's something that just brings me joy, especially watching them, like, in a row or, like, on a like gloomy day like today. Do you feel like you're connected to that just because of, like, do you, is it, like, the point of the the movie or, like, the characters or, like... What is it like specifically that you're like, you know, like that's that's what really like connects me to that movie? Well, I just kind of like I used to read a lot of books about like vampires and werewolves. Mm. Like I feel like that's kind of like the the main theme that I was into when I was younger. So then watching that movie like cuz it's like a it's like in real life, I guess, giving that scenario of like this love triangle or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's something that I don't know. It always like was interesting to me, so it just keeps me entertained. I think that's probably why I'm connected to it, especially because it's like I used to watch it when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, that's very relatable. What do you think, Maddie? Um, for me, I already mentioned it too. Hunter mm-hmm. x Hunter. Like I started watching it, but then I watched it again. I thought <laughs> it was really good, so I watched it again, and then. Like, I like the meaning behind it, because not only does it teach you about your inner aura, but it teaches you how you can control it, or, like, mm-hmm. how you can expand it. And I thought that was, like, really cool. Yeah. Okay. Do, you, do you think there's, like, other pieces of media that you guys also, like, related to, like, being music? Like, do you think music was a big part of, like, the pandemic, like, and just kind of, like, having, like, a coping mechanism with that? 
Uh, yeah, I definitely feel like music is a really important part of my life. Um, I'm listening to music all the time, especially during the pandemic. I feel like I discovered music or I had more time to sit there and listen to music. Um, I During the pandemic, actually, I got like a record player. And I remember ordering like a bunch of records online and stuff just because I wanted to like test it out and um, listen to music on vinyl instead of like, you know, through Apple Music or Spotify. So mm-hmm. I definitely feel like that was something that brought me joy because it was like like it was like the experience of like purchasing the record and then by um, playing the record and different stuff like that. I don't know. It was just something that I enjoyed, especially because I like to go to um, local shows, too. That was another cool experience that I feel like I feel really connected to with music. I could say the same thing. Um, music has always been like a big part of my life, so I don't really think the pandemic really affected it because I listen to music all the time, yeah, all day, every day. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and then I discovered like new songs, new artists, and it was like great. It was an amazing experience. I'm still experiencing it now too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, you know, for like sharing and just letting us know about like your experience during COVID. Like, I know that was like a very difficult time. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. So we have a new speaker with us, Angel. Um, Do you want to weigh into the conversation? Was there a piece of media that you consumed during the pandemic that you read, watched, listened to that you really bonded with during that time and Uh, that you still listen to? uh, Yeah, for me, I became a really I was really big into reading manga. When the pandemic started, I kind of got introduced to it by Berserk, uh, an adult fantasy one. And then over time, I became I read more and more Attack on Titan, uh, Vagabond, and I just became. I wasn't really a manga reader before then, but ever since then, I like find myself buying like three volumes a month or something. Become really addicted to it. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, didn't watch anything, but I will listen to a lot of music. Back then, um, I didn't. I will play some games, but mostly for me, it's just uh, listening to music, um, especially since before the pandemic, I used to go to uh, school back in downtown, and I would just walk, walk a, lot, a lot and just uh, travel and just, uh, just chill with my music. What type of music did you listen to? Uh, I'm mostly a metalhead. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Any recommendations? Recommendations? Well, but since we're talking about the pandemic during the pandemic, I really got into this band called Electric Cowboy. It's a German band. And they, uh, and they, they do a lot of just metal, but also in combine us some like techno music. But it's really good. I was never really into the techno type of stuff, but they just do it in a way that it's just perfect. Cool. So Electric Cowboys, cool. recommended. Um, do you think you guys would have gotten attached to that media if it were any other time? Like, for example, Angel, like, do you think you would have read manga at another point in life if there wasn't a pandemic? Or what do you think? Uh, I don't think so, because of the pandemic, we just had so much time to waste. And I really didn't know what else to do with my time. And, you know, because especially like some mangas are like 300, 400 chapters long. Like nowadays, it would be I would I have I'm so busy it would be impossible to read it all. Mm-hmm. So I think getting into manga was like pandemic specifically because it allowed me the time to actually read it thoroughly and the full entire experience. Mm-hmm. And Brian, you were a metalhead before the show, like before yeah. the pandemic. Metal. Yeah, definitely. Um, during the show, uh, I will just listen to the same thing, but all over again. But I was in this Facebook group that I really bonded with. Um, it was just a bunch of metalheads, and they will all just 
meme their music, but also at the same time, we just discover a lot of other bands that I liked. Mm-hmm. And um, but also like that, w- that wasn't just the only thing that I consumed. I got into I was already I used to watch anime before too, but the pandemic just made me just that's probably like the the thing I did the most during the pandemic. Just watch anime, and just catch up with stuff that I heard about, but I never watched. That I was just my whole my whole day just watching anime basically. Cool. Yeah. So, like, what was like a specific, like, I guess for you, Angel, like, what was like a specific manga you would say like you really connected to, like, you just like really like appreciated so much. Uh, for me, it would have to be Berserk. I think the main part behind that is just like the main character. He like has so much traumatic stuff going on, and that he overcomes it with like inspiration and like sheer force. And that was like really inspirational to me during the pandemic because, you know, we were all alone. We were all facing our own challenges. So like to see this character face his own challenges and overcome them, I think that's why I grew so attached to it. Yeah, uh, for me, it wasn't just a specific character. It was mostly just a general. Um, I got into a lot of slice of life, slice of life type of anime. And I just, since we were going through some rough stuff, I just I just felt like just watching some something to make me just like challenges some depressing endings type of stuff but I, I just that's that was something I really started watching a lot too I, I was always I was always used to like watching um like action stuff but slice of life is something I really like back then. what um slice of life anime do you recommend uh I'd recommend it's a movie that I really like it's called your uh silent voice it's on Netflix oh yeah it's really really good that's pretty good yeah well, thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate that you guys like sharing your experiences with COVID and just, you know, giving us like an insight into like how your life was basically. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be switching back now to Jasmine and Jeremiah, you know, just finishing off our show. <laughs> and so yeah. Don't mind me just making jokes about Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a monster. All right, so... Where were you, Loka? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpin' Radio. This is What's Up, Kunta Media. You are what you watch. So we're going to take a short break, and we're going to be back. Fake body. 
Did you guys like it? That was fun, guys. That was very fun. Yeah. Um, can't believe this is already like the last, like the last minutes I can't of believe us this, being here. Can't believe this is the last time I'm gonna see you guys. I gotta fight a war in, um, in freaking Japan, so. No, yeah, for real. Yeah, I'm going to war, guys. I'm Bye. going into the trenches. <laughs> Get the guns. <laughs> I'm going to sleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, let's uh, recap what we uh, did today, because it was a pretty full day and a pretty full episode, yeah, mind so you. We started off with um, trope talks, which was pretty fun. We all had some really interesting tropes to talk about. It was interesting to like know which was your guys' favorites, like and these favorites. Fetishes um, may have been exposed. No, oh, we're exposed oh, himself, oh, man. Uh, Yo, <laughs> we? They may have, they have, may, <laughs> may have been exposed. We are not in France. <laughs> we are not in France. <laughs> Who is we? You speak in French? You wanted to do that. <laughs> I wanted to just talk about fun tropes. <laughs> no, but yeah. <laughs> Honestly, miscommunication trope is so real. Like, Honestly. It, it gets on my nerves. Like, bro, whoever invented that trope needs to get out there. <laughs> the door's right there. No. <laughs> just like, get out, bro. I will say, though, miscommunication done right is a very satisfying result. Maturely. Mm-hmm. Keyword, maturely. That's a word. <laughs> yep, and then the best tropes, you know, stuff with parental figures. Stuff like that that always you know hits the spot. I just always. it's always so sweet to see. Mm-hmm. Alfred, you've been watching way too many rom coms and drinking Chardonnay. Listen, what would you know <laughs> about having a family? You're satisfied serving me. So what would you know about having a surrogate son? <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Yo. 
Lego Batman is amazing. Oh, oh, that's, oh my that's gosh, right. that's what Lego Batman was. I was like, dude, I know there's something else. Lego Batman. It's an amazing movie. Lego Batman's so good. Also, we talked about um, the amazing efforts creators had to exert in order to give us pieces of amazing art and media during the lockdown period, which is a fun conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to do some research on that one. <laughs> that awesome yeah. interview with Riones was so cool. I want to thank him again for coming on yeah. and yeah, just he, taking time out of his day to like just be part of our show. You being the translator, that saved us amazing. amazing. Yo. That was okay, awesome. guys, follow me on my IG. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be taking. I'll be doing promo. translation classes. We'll be starting at fifty bucks an hour. So fifty bucks. That's a lot. Nah, nah, nah. A hundred. <laughs> no, but yeah, what's in your feed was pretty fun. It was interesting to see what you guys. I mean, it was pretty on brand. Like all of you guys talking about your stuff. I was like, yeah. You trying to I say I'm predictable? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm pretty predictable too. I think, but, <laughs> but that was pretty fun. That was pretty fun. Yeah, just seeing what's the first three things to pop up. You know, usually it's always some random stuff and you really know what you're gonna see. It's like when you're in public and then you open up like Twitter, it's like, it's always like a Russian roulette, man. Like you don't know what's gonna pop up. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) Draw. (laughs) Yep. Well, it's not my best work. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we also talked about um, people's interests during the pandemic and how they fluctuated and it was interesting to see that um, because of the pandemic, there are some things that we have never would have gotten into, you know, like if we weren't at home all day. Translation, and, what we got addicted to. Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, anybody else have any last comments? Yeah, and basically just, if it wasn't for like the pandemic, like I feel like a lot of us wouldn't have gotten into like what we like now and I just I think the pandemic really changed us and like to be like different people and like without it I think I would have been like the same like boring person without like liking anime or manga or stuff like that so. and I feel like without the pandemic like I wouldn't have gotten into like radio production and stuff like that mm-hmm. and we got for to sure. meet you guys yeah. we, for like, sure. we all for got sure. to meet each other so it's, it's like wow Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Cheers to trash talking your past self. True, true. Yeah. <laughs> boring, boring, dumb past self. Yeah. You can all trash talk about that. Um, what else was I gonna say? Uh, yeah, guys, this is your first show. You guys should be very, very yeah. proud of yourselves. Thank you. Yo. Y'all, y'all yeah. came in clutch. We were able to like handle that little, little those I- the issues that came across like very, very maturely. And yeah, it was just just an amazing time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, this uh, you have been listening to a What's Up on uh, WLPN uh, LP Chicago one hundred five point five FM Lumpen Radio. Uh, this has been Jeremiah, Jasmine, Sam, Ariandi, and the title of this show has been Consume Media. You are what you watch. I am so happy that you guys came and listened to us. But now it is time for us to get on out of here. Hope to see you next time. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Chainsaw Man is still good. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> That's the conclusion of our program. Brought to you by the fine folks at... Oh, not you again. No! And y'all, who let her back in? (laughs) And that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed whatever it is you just heard. Heartwarming interviews, tear-jerking stories, magnificent music, and the sound of our voices. Because God knows that this is the best content on the airwaves. Don't forget to follow YOLO on all their social medias at YOLO Kali. And you can find all our audio content on SoundCloud, MixCloud, and Apple Podcasts. We bougie like that. 
Well, that's it. Bye. See you next Saturday from 12 to 2 p.m. for another episode of What's Up? What's Up? What's up?